You're listening to U of M Radio on your Historic Dial podcast, and this is Episode 8, Down the Conservation Trail. Hello, this is Hannah from University Archives. Today's featured program will take us into Minnesota's famous outdoors, from Sandy Lake to the Boundary Waters. We'll be listening to one of the Minnesota School of the Air's longest-running programs, Following Conservation Trails. Following Conservation Trails ran from 1947 to 1968 and addressed issues related to conservation, the environment, and natural resources. The episodes presented classroom-friendly material through a set formula consisting of an overview of the topic, a dramatization, and a discussion of what preservation efforts could be made in and out of school. The radio plays often featured a similar cast of characters, a younger girl and boy, an older family member, and Nat Hammond, naturalist and wilderness guide extraordinaire. The topics focused on in the episodes included wildlife management, forest and grass fires, watersheds, soil erosion, habitats, and other ecological lessons. Other notable episodes highlighted Minnesota's major parks such as Itasca State Park, Voyageurs National Park, and Fort Snelling State Park. Throughout the program's run, there was an emphasis on the role humanity has as stewards of the natural world and the importance of conservation for future generations. Episodes were 12 to 15 minutes in length and taught quick lessons that would supplement a school science curriculum. The first clip comes from a 1967 episode, A Living Chain, in which the younger character gives a clear textbook definition of ecology, and the guide character explains animal behavioral patterns, how they evolved over time, and how they fit into the natural order. You can imagine teachers telling their students that, yes, this will be on the test. Uncle Bill, aren't some animals basically bad, just as some men are bad? Well, now that's a question that really goes beyond conservation matters and gets into psychology and a lot of other subjects. But let's just stick with the problems of conservation when we talk about some parts of nature being bad. Okay. <clears throat> now, almost every morning some birds come around the cabin where our meals are prepared. Now, over the weeks we've been there, they've learned that they can get some scraps of food. And thus they don't have to search so hard for their natural food, which is the insects in the ground and the trees. Now the birds are considered good parts of nature. They aren't hurting us, and we're happy to share our leftovers with them. But after they finish with the scraps, they begin to hunt for more food. Well, perhaps they're still hungry themselves, or they need to take some food home to their young, still in the nest. Suddenly, we see one of the birds pull a worm from the ground. Now that worm is doing a very necessary job in the ground. He's burrowing little holes into the ground so air and moisture can get in. And he's digesting the earth itself and making it a richer soil. So the worm is good for the soil. But there we have one of our harmless birds eating the worm. Now then, is the bird suddenly a bad creature? But would he eat the worm if he had plenty of some other kind of food? Yes, in all probability he would, because you're dealing with an ecological fact that has been built up over the centuries. Oops, big words again. But, uh, well, as I remember it, ecology is the study of, of all the relationships between all the living things in and around any given community. Mm -hmm. That's very good for a definition, Jack. The next clip is from a 1962 episode called Down to the Sea, which taught listeners about soil erosion caused by water runoff. Oh, Gramps. Here's the letter from Mr. Hammond. Man, he kept his promise. Uh, where's Mr. Hammond? Uh, it's postmarked. I can't make it out. Uh, well, let's open the letter and see. Uh, Columbus, Ohio. That's it. He's at Columbus, Ohio. Columbus. 
Why, that's the capital of Ohio, yeah, isn't it? Yes, Well, let's read the letter here now. Dear Henry, Jim, and Martha. It's our letter, too. <laughs> sure, Nat. Wouldn't forget you. Uh, just returned from a wonderful trip through the Muskegon Valley. It's one of the successful attempts to control erosion and runoff in a region that really needed such treatment. I'll tell you all about the trip when I get back to Pine Ridge next week. I sent Editor Grant to the Pine Ridge Gazette some suggestions for an editorial on water. Suppose this trip's got me all hepped up on the subject. <laughs> and last night, the words of the verse came to me. I thought you might be interested in them. We'll see you in about a week. Sincerely, Nat. Well, <laughs> Nat's all hepped up. Well, I don't blame him. It's high time we all begin thinking about the problem of water supplies. Gee, I wish it were summer. School would be out and we could go swimming. In all that water, why, you'd be drowned. Me drowned? Why, I just No, 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 no. We came here to look, not to argue. Yeah. Yeah, This is surely a sight, isn't it? Say, there's a lot of water going by here every minute. It's like the poem Mr. Hammond wrote. What makes the water so dark? It's not clean like it is in the summertime. Well, that's silt, Martha. If we had a bucket of that water, you could see the fine particles of material floating around in suspension. We studied about erosion in school. Running water can carry away a lot of soil. Sand settles out of the water quite soon and gravel rolls along the river bottom. Uh-huh. But, the f- but the finely divided particles travel for a long way. Every year erosion moves billions of tons of topsoil from the fields into the rivers like this one. Topsoil that can't be replaced. You know, it takes, um, takes nature a long time to build soil. Oh, well, that's real interesting, Jim. And here you see a real example of what you studied in school, huh? Water has always carried a lot of soil off the land, hasn't it? Well, that's true, of course. Rivers have always carried a certain amount of soil during, uh, during uh, flood time, but uh, not like they do now. Our ways of using the land have increased the rapid runoff of water. More than one episode was dedicated to the natural wonders found along the Gunflint Trail up to the Quetico Superior Wilderness, also referred to as the Boundary Waters, and the history of the fur-trading voyageurs. These episodes seem designed to inspire strong feelings over the preservation of these historically and ecologically relevant areas, and the importance of keeping them unpolluted for future generations. Deeply rooted in the tradition of our great nation is the call of adventure, to know again the challenge of new places, new experiences, new horizons. But the far-flung development of our modern civilization has left few places where one may find nature in its primitive setting, few places where the old call of adventure may be realized. Those that are left are a precious heritage to be guarded zealously against the inroads of our ever-probing civilization with its highways and towns and all the paraphernalias of our modern age. Close to the centers of population, At the end of a splendid network of highways lies the great Quetico Superior Wilderness Area on the boundary between Minnesota and Ontario. It is the last remaining wilderness easily accessible to all, a region in which youth and adventurous adult may again follow the old trails. That was certainly a good meal. Boy, you sure know how to cook, Mr. Hammond. Oh, glad you enjoyed it. You know, this is the kind of a vacation that I really like. Yeah, there's nothing like it in the whole country. No, there isn't. Yeah, there's no wilderness area so close to the centers of population as this Minnesota canoe country. And just think, over there's the international line that divides our country and Canada. A wonderful land of fine people who think and act just like we do. Yes, it's hard to believe. But here we are out in the wilderness, 
and still close to millions of people in the hum of modern civilization. I hope we can keep this canoe country like this always. I hope so. It wouldn't be a canoe country if highways and everything else that goes with them were built in here. I think every boy and girl would like the chance to follow these old canoe trails. The majority of the programs were produced and presented by Nat Johnson, educational advisor for the Minnesota State Department of Conservation. Hello there, I'm Nat Johnson, and today my friend Dick Stevens and I are going to take you to north-central part of our state, to the head of the Mississippi in Itasca State Park. Johnson was a constant presence on the show. He often narrated the programs and he wrote most of the scripts. In a letter, Betty T. Gerling, the director of the Minnesota School of the Air, refers to him fondly as Mr. Conservation, writing, In 1947, when we started, never did I think it would be such a wondrous trail. When I think of all the people who have worked on that series, if you just converted them to conservation, you'd have done a mighty task. But all those other thousands, some now grown up and teaching their own children the ideas gleaned from you over so many years of broadcasting. Of the multitude of children who listened to following conservation trails during its 20-year run, it is easy to imagine one or many of them continuing Johnson's work today. That's all for today. Tune in later this month for another science-themed episode as we listen in on Science Lives, one of the later programs produced by KUOM. Thanks for listening. The U of M Radio on your Historic Dial podcast is produced every other week for your enjoyment. Subscribe or download on iTunes or Google Play so you don't miss another moment of Historic Minnesota Radio. If you enjoy our clips and want to hear or learn more, go to www.lib.umn.edu slash uarchives and search KUOM and the Collections Guides. Digitization of University Archives recordings was financed in part with funds provided by the State of Minnesota from the Arts and Cultural Heritage Fund through the Minnesota Historical Society.